Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast of Bridgepoint Church. Stay tuned after the podcast for a short message, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, good morning. It's so great to see you guys today, and it's great for all of our Bridgepoint family who's watching online as well. We're so glad to be a part of your Sunday morning. Church, can we just give it up for everybody who's watching online this morning? I'm on cloud nine today because yesterday was our annual Giving Hope shopping mall. And so we've been talking about this for the past couple of months now. And essentially what this is, is during the month of November, you guys went out and bought gifts and brought them back here. So this past Thursday night, we could completely transform this auditorium into a shopping mall for some families who are struggling financially this year. And so uh, yesterday morning, the families came and they dropped their kids off in kids' ministry and they came in and and got to do their Christmas shopping. And and the way we do it is a little different than some other people do it. Uh, We actually don't give the gifts away for free. We charge $1 per gift. And the reason is because we want those parents to walk away with the dignity of knowing that they provided Christmas for their family. This wasn't, you know, Pat Bridgepoint on the back because we provided Christmas. No, no, no. This was these families providing Christmas for their kids. And Man, the stories that we got to hear yesterday, I mean, there were happy tears, there were lives that were changed, people opened up to Jesus. In fact, one family told me that if it wasn't for this event, that they wouldn't have been able to do Christmas for their kids this year. And so on behalf of all those families, I want to thank you guys. You made a difference. Give it up for for our Giving Hope team. Isn't that amazing? It was a great Saturday, and now we're looking forward to the next big thing we have is Christmas Eve coming up in, in just a short while. And uh, I want to give you an update because last week I stood up here and told you we had two service times, one at 4 o'clock and one at 5 o'clock. And our 4 o'clock one at that point was about 90% full, but we have plenty of space in the 5 o'clock service, and we're asking everybody to reserve their seat. And by the time I got off stage, both of those services were completely full. So last Monday we opened up a third service at 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and there's still some seats available for that. So if you haven't reserved seats, I'm going to ask you to go to www.bpc.life. There's a little banner right at the top of the page. You can click on that and reserve your seats. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I'm not going to reserve my seats, and I'm just going to show up on Christmas Eve. And I'm going to ask you not to do that. And, And here's why. We want to create an environment on Christmas Eve that that everyone feels safe and comfortable. And so we are intentionally limiting our seating capacity in accordance with what our local government says and what public health officials say. We want to honor authority like Scripture says. And so I would please ask you to reserve your seats. And if you fill up the 3 o'clock service, I don't know what we'll do, but that'll be a fun conversation we'll have in staff meeting this week. And so go ahead and reserve your seats at bpc.life. But this morning... I am about to jump out of my skin. I am so excited because today is above and beyond Sunday. There's a few important Sundays, you know, for pastors. We know like, like Easter and Christmas Eve, but, but those ones are exciting because we get to reach people in our community that we never get to reach. But today is exciting because it's not about reaching out. It's really about building the character of who we are as a church. See, these Sundays are, are, are character defining for who Bridgepoint is because this is the day that we set aside every year where as a church we're going to give an offering above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings. And the reason we do that is in part we want to celebrate all that God has done this past year and we want to look forward to all he has for us in 2021. And I know what some of you are thinking. Like what is there to celebrate in 2020? This has been an awful year. 
And, and yes, there's been a lot of awful things that have happened, but make no mistake about it. I know for some of you, 2020 was the year you got married. You know, for some of you, 2020 was the year you welcomed a new child into your home. For some of you, 2020 was the year your kid who walked away from the Lord came back to him. For some of you, 2020 was the year that you gave your life to Jesus. It was the year that you found freedom. It was the year that you got baptized. I think there's a lot to celebrate in 2020. Does anybody here have a reason to celebrate in 2020? And so we're going to give at the end of this service, and, and we're going to do that celebrating all that God's done and looking forward to the next year. In fact, we have big vision for what God has for us here at Bridgepoint. There's things that we want to do in our community, across our nation, even across the world, and we're only able to fulfill that, that vision at the pace of our giving. And so today is really to set us up to do all that God has called us to do headed into the next year. And, and if you're a part of the Bridgepoint family, like, like my goal today is that we have 100% participation. There's no dollar amount, nothing else. We're just, we're all coming together to participate in this offering. Now, if you're not a part of the Bridgepoint family, you are under no obligation to give. In fact, some of you might be sitting here today and think, great, I picked Giving Sunday to show up and visit church, right? And I want to tell you that, that, listen, I couldn't think of a better week for you to show up at church because it's easy for churches to talk about helping teenagers who are experiencing unexpected pregnancy. It's a lot harder to act on it. It's easy to talk about reaching the next generation with the gospel. It's a lot harder to act on it. It's easy to talk about alleviating poverty in third world countries. It's a lot harder to act on it. And if you're a guest here today, you're going to see the heart of Bridgepoint. Because what I know is I don't want to be a church that just talks about it. I want to be a church that actually does something. I don't want to be a church that gets bogged down in ideologies. I want to be a church that moves, that actually helps people. And that's what we're doing today. And so I want to share with you, I don't even have a sermon today, really. I just have a few devotional thoughts from a story that's really been rocking my world over the last couple of months as I've been preparing for this. And, and, and it's not a sermon because the sermon today is your giving. Your giving is the sermon today. Your giving shows the world what Jesus has done in your life. Now, the, the story that I want to share is from John chapter 12. And listen, if you normally take notes, you, you can take today off. You don't even have to take notes because there, there's some Sundays I want to get some information in your head. Today, I just want to bring transformation in your heart. And so just follow along with me today. We're going to be in John chapter 12. And the story that we're going to look at, I believe, that is the greatest example of generosity outside the person of Jesus. Listen, we can never outgive Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins. He made a way for us to have a relationship with God. We can't outgive Jesus. But, but this example here, I believe, is the, the primary example of what generosity looks like. And I want it to, to challenge us this morning. And I think it's a particularly noteworthy story because in the Bible, there are four accounts of Jesus' life. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You think, well, why do you have four different people telling the same story? Well, if you ever witnessed a car wreck or, or seen a robbery, you know, the police are going to try to get as many eyewitnesses as they can because every witness is going to have a little bit different detail that they offer to the story. And yeah, they're all right, but some people are going to forget parts. Some people are going to include different parts. But what makes this story interesting is that of the four gospels, it's not just found in one. It's not just found in two, but it's found in three of the four stories of Jesus' life, which means that it's probably pretty important for us to understand. And so I want us to look, John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. 
Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair, so the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume. Now you got to kind of get the picture of what's going on here. It says that this is right before the Passover. So we know that, that actually in just a few days, Jesus is going to be betrayed by one of his best friends. He's going to be handed over to the religious leaders. He'll be beaten within an inch of his life. He will be crucified on a cross. His lifeless body will be taken down and put in a tomb. Okay, that's going to happen on Friday. This story takes place the Saturday before. So at this point, Jesus has one week to live. I don't know if you're played kind of the, the thought game, what would you do if you only had a week to live? If you knew you only had seven days left, what would you do? You know, mine might be, you know, skydiving or maybe traveling places I hadn't been before. But I know on all of our, our lists, there'd be certain people that we would want to sit down with, certain people we'd want to share a meal with during our last week. And that's exactly what Jesus does. See, he has these friends named uh, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and they're all siblings, and they actually appear several times throughout Jesus' ministry. Actually, the, the one right before this happened just a couple chapters earlier. See, Jesus had been kind of traveling doing ministry when Mary and Martha send a message to him saying that our brother Lazarus is sick. In fact, he's so sick, the doctors can't figure out what's going on. We think he's going to die, but Jesus, we've seen you heal sick people before. We've seen you cast out demons from people before. We know that if you come here, Jesus, you could save our brother. And so Jesus gets this message, and you know what he does? He waits. And after a few days, he makes his way to the town of Bethany, where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live, only to find that Lazarus has already died. Now, Mary and Martha are distraught. They come out to Jesus, and they say, well, what are you doing? If you had come and we sent you the message, then, then you would have been here. We, we know you have the power to heal our brother. You, you could have done it, but, but now he's died. Now he's gone. And I think they're heartbroken, not just because their brother has died, though that's certainly a big part, but Lazarus was likely the primary breadwinner in that house. And in that first century culture, when you're a woman whose primary caregiver died, there was no way for you to survive. Oftentimes, these women would turn to prostitution or they'd have to beg on the street because they weren't going to be provided for. So in a sense, Mary and Martha are grieving the loss of Lazarus, but they feel like their life is over as well. Jesus, you, you could have saved our brother. You could have saved us, but instead you waited. Jesus, where were you? And then there's this verse in that story that growing up, it was my favorite memory verse because it's only two words. I might not be able to memorize a lot of scripture, but I can memorize this one. The verse is, Jesus wept. Now, as an adult, I don't just like it because it's easy to remember, but it shows me that Jesus cared deeply for his friends. And when they were wounded, when they were in mourning, it moved Jesus' heart. And so he said, listen, show me where you put Lazarus. They take him over to this tomb, and Jesus says, you know what? Roll the stone away. And when they move the stone out in front of the tomb, he says, Lazarus, come out. And lo and behold, a man wrapped in burial cloths. A man who'd been in there, dead for more than three days, all of a sudden is living again and walking out to meet his family. Now, you can imagine that stories of the guy who died for three days and came back to life, Jesus started gaining in popularity a lot. So he had to get out of town. 
But now that it's the last week of his life, he wants to go back and see his friends one final time. So you get this picture. He's sitting down there at the table. We know his disciples are there. It says Lazarus was sitting around the table. Martha's fixing everything, being the hostess that she is, making sure all the food is prepared. And in the middle of this, Mary comes out, and she has this bottle of perfume, and she opens it up, and she pours it out on Jesus' feet. And then she kind of takes her hair down, and she starts to use her hair to wash Jesus' feet. And I love that line. It says, the whole house was filled with the fragrance. This was an extraordinary kind of offering that Mary brought. And I think that when we look at it, it tells us the kind of offerings that we ought to bring to Jesus today. The first thing that I note about Mary's gift is that it was intentional. It wasn't this kind of half-hearted, yeah, in the moment, but, but no, it was extremely intentional. See, what we know about this perfume is it says it was expensive nard. Now, when I think of nard, I think of the office and the nard dog, but that's not what this is. This was a fragrance that actually would have been imported from India. And in fact, what we learn later is it was worth 300 denarii, which was about a year's salary. So can you imagine whatever your annual income is, that you have a bottle of perfume that's worth that much? Now, I don't know how it'd be in your house, but if my wife came home and told us that she bought a bottle of perfume that cost our annual income, we'd probably have some conversations. In fact, it was highly likely that this perfume was actually passed down from generation to generation as kind of a nest egg, like in worst case scenario, break, right? Like, like use this if all else fails. And here she is using this expensive perfume on Jesus. See, she was intentional about this. This wasn't the kind of perfume that you would just spray on before you go to work. This wasn't the kind of perfume that you would just kind of throw in your travel bag before you go on a trip. This is the kind of perfume that you put on when your husband says, babe, I got a babysitter and I booked us a hotel. This is the kind of perfume that you put on when, when, when your spouse walks in and says, I just booked us a spot at the best restaurant in town. This was only for the most special occasions. See, Mary wasn't walking by and said, you know what? Jesus is in there. Well, let me grab a little perfume and anoint him. No, no, she knew that this was valuable and she was willing to give it up because she knew who Jesus was. See, she was intentional about it. I think she was intentional with her sacrifice because not only did she know the value of the gift, she knew the value of the one to whom she was giving the gift. Another way we could put this is she was willing to give what was valuable because she knew that Jesus was more valuable. I mean, imagine her sitting around that room at dinner. Have you ever sat at dinner and you're looking at all your friends and you have this kind of out-of-body experience and you're like, I can't believe that this is my life. These are the people that I share my life with. And I wonder if she's sitting there and she looks over and she sees her brother, her brother who is dead, her brother who is in the tomb for three days. And all of a sudden she looks at Jesus and she's like, Jesus brought him back. And not only did Jesus resurrect Lazarus, in a sense, he resurrected Mary as well. He gave her a second chance at life. And because of that, there was nothing that was too expensive for her to give to Jesus. Now, you might be here today, and you've never experienced a physical resurrection, but I believe many of us are here today, and you've experienced resurrection in your marriage. It was dead, and God brought it back to life. Some of you are here today, and you were bound in the chains of addictions, and yet Jesus set you free. Your health had failed you, and Jesus restored you. 
Your finances crumbled, and he put the pieces back together again. When everything fell apart, Jesus was there for you. We might not have been physically resurrected, but I think all of us have experienced the power of resurrection in our lives. Amen? And I said I wasn't going to preach, but here I am. I'm going to try. Try not to. But see, she knew how valuable Jesus was. That's where her heart was. See, I think we're intentional about the things that we care about, the things that we love. For those of you who follow me or my wife on social media, you may have noticed that a couple days ago, she got a puppy for Christmas. And, and if you know me, you know that for the better part of the last two years, I've been saying we will never get a puppy. We're not going to do it, right? Like our kids are out of diapers. They're all in school. We got a dog who's 10. She knows the routine. Everything's trained. Why would we go back? Why would we start over? This is ridiculous. But then a couple of months ago, I started opening up to the idea, and I thought, you know what? It'd be great if I could give her this gift at Christmas time. Now, if you know me, I'm not going to go into it, you know, kind of half-hearted. So I'm doing internet research, and okay, here's the kind of dog she wants, and here's the bloodlines you're looking for, and the genetic things to watch. Like, I'm doing all of this research, and finally I come up with a plan. Here's how I'm going to go get it and bring it back. Why would I spend all of my time being that intentional? Because I love the one that I'm giving the gift to. And when your heart is with Jesus, you're intentional about the things that you give. In fact, I didn't notice until this week, but you know, every time we encounter Mary in the Bible, she's always at the feet of Jesus. The first time we meet her, her sister Martha is running around trying to get the house taken care of because Jesus is here. We got to get the laundry picked up. We got to get the food in the oven. But Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. The second time we meet Mary, her brother has just died. And when she sees Jesus, she falls to his feet in mourning. And this third time that we meet Mary, she falls at his feet, worshiping him for everything that he'd done. Listen, when you're close to the feet of Jesus, you can't help but give. And I wonder if for some of us, the reason we haven't been worshiping is because we haven't been at the feet of Jesus. And maybe today it's a call to come back home to him. Have you been at the feet of Jesus? Are you ready to give to him? Is that where your heart is? Jesus says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. When we give, it's because Jesus has our heart. So I want to be very clear. Jesus doesn't ask us to give because he needs our help. Like, I don't mean to be offensive, but Jesus doesn't need your help. It's not like he's looking at a building project up in heaven saying, man, we really need to finish these streets of gold. But, but man, if you can give a little and you can give a little, if we just, maybe we'll do a fundraiser and we can finally get enough money to finish the things that I want to do. No, no, God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need your help, but God does want your heart. And God knows that for some of us, our heart is so tied up in, in financial things that when we give, we're not just giving financially. We're saying, Jesus, take my heart. Jesus, take my life. Jesus, take everything. See, when she gave, she was intentional. But the gift wasn't just intentional. It was also sacrificial. And I'm not just talking about like the cost of the, the, the perfume. But, but when you have this kind of perfume, what the other gospels tell us is that it was in an alabaster jar. And these jars were like these big round bowls with a really long neck. And when you would pour the perfume out, you would actually break off the neck and then you would pour the perfume out. Now, if you've ever been around a toddler, you know that once liquid comes out of a container, you're not putting it back in, right? Like when the toothpaste comes out of the tube, it's not going back in. But when the soda's all out of the two liter, it's not going back in. 
And in the same way, when she poured out this perfume, it wasn't just that it was expensive. It was that she was giving it all. She wasn't going to get that back. She was giving everything she had to Jesus. See, it's never about the cost of the gift. It's about the cost of the sacrifice. See, God isn't calling you to give what he's calling somebody else to give. God's just calling you to bring a sacrifice. For some of you, $50 may be a huge sacrifice for you. For some of you, 50000 may be a huge sacrifice for you. For some of you, $500 might be the biggest gift that you've ever given, and that's really a faith gift. It's never about the cost. It's about are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus? By the way, this is why we've been talking about this for the last six weeks. Because as we talk about sacrifice, we don't want it to be an impulsive decision in the moment. We've asked you to ask God, what would he have you give? In fact, even in our own household, my wife and I have had these conversations a couple of weeks ago. I said, hey, have you been praying about above and beyond? Yeah, have you? Yeah. Well, I said, well, babe, what, what do you think God's calling us to give? She said, well, there's, there's two numbers. There's one number, and then there's like a faith number. And I said, well, what's the faith number? And she said, you tell me your number first. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not going to tell you my number yet. I think we need to pray a little bit more. But the idea is that we're praying. We just want to do what scripture says, which is give what you have decided in your heart beforehand to give. It's not about manipulations. God, what does sacrifice look like? That's what we want to give. Giving has to be sacrificial. The third thing that I notice is that her giving was extravagant. It was extravagant. And by the way, when you give in extravagant ways, you invite criticism in your life. Right? Like people would say, well, what, what do you mean you're giving like that? What do you mean? You would be that extra. That doesn't even make any sense. And the reason that I know that you will encounter criticism is because that's what Mary encountered. Look at the very next verse, verse four. It says, then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Now, there was a tradition at that time that at Passover, you would give some money to people who were living in poverty. That's how the Jewish people cared for, for the poor. And so as, as Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, is watching Mary pour out this expensive perfume, he says, well, why are you being that extravagant? Like, you could have sold this and given it to us, and we could have given the money to the poor. And did you catch that part? He didn't really care about that. He, he was stealing money. He just wanted some money so he could keep a little bit of it. I find it interesting that Judas didn't care if she gave. He just didn't want Mary to be extravagant. And in the same way, the enemy, the enemy doesn't care if you give today. He just doesn't want you to be extravagant. He doesn't care if you give. He just doesn't want you to go all in. Because the enemy is smart. He knows what scripture says. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says those who sow sparingly, they reap sparingly. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to get you stuck in this cycle of little seed, little harvest. Little seed, little harvest. I'll, I'll give God a little tip so that maybe I could experience a little blessing. And the reality is, when I look at scripture, I see Jesus say that I've come that you would have life and have it in abundance. To have a life above and beyond what the world is offering you. Paul said that God is able to do above and beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. 
See, see, the enemy wants us in the scarcity mentality, but God wants us to have a mentality of abundance, of plentiful. See, it's not about buying a blessing. It's not if I give more than God's going to bless me more. It's saying when we give God everything and when we give God our best, we can expect his best. We can expect all that he has for us. So I, know, I don't know about you. I want to break out of the cycle of little seed, little harvest, little seed, little harvest. I, I'm ready to experience freedom. I'm ready to experience breakthrough. I'm ready to experience all that God has for me. And if that means I give extravagantly, then that's what I want to do. I just want to align my heart with Jesus's. I want to experience all that he has for me. It was an extravagant gift. But maybe what I love the most about this story is that it wasn't just a gift that was intentional. It wasn't just a gift that was sacrificial or extravagant. But when you give in that way, you're not just giving a gift, you're leaving a legacy. One of my favorite sayings is that an inheritance is something you leave for somebody, but a legacy is something you leave in somebody. See, a legacy is the story that we leave behind. Remember I told you Matthew, Mark, and John all tell this story. I want to show you the way that Matthew kind of ends it. After Judas is saying, hey, you should have given us the money. Matthew chapter 26, verse 10. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a noble thing for me. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. By pouring this perfume on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus starts to rebuke Judas. He says, why are you bothering her? What she has done is noble. Another translation is what she has done is beautiful. He says, you'll always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. And some Christians have kind of manipulated this verse to say, well, there's always going to be poor people, so we don't really have to take care of them. You know, Jesus said you'll always have the poor, but that's not what he's saying. Remember, Jesus knows the, the, the clock is ticking. He only has a few days left with them. Listen, the, the poor will be here in a few days, but you only have a week left with me. What he's saying is you have a moment right now that you can act. You have a moment right now where you can decide what to do. And I think today, this is a holy moment. We have a moment to act. We have a moment to decide. What kind of faith do we want to have headed into 2021? What kind of faith do we want to pass on to our children? What kind of legacy do we want to leave? And he says that whenever people share the gospel, they'll tell of this woman's story. And whenever people talk about the death and resurrection, guess what? Mary's story comes up. By the way, that prophecy is fulfilled today. Right? Because we're talking about the gospel and we're talking about Mary's gift. Now, can you imagine if you told Mary, 2,000 years after this, there's going to be some people in a place you've never even heard of called America, in a place you've never heard of called Georgia, in a town you've never heard of called Woodstock, at a church you've never heard of called Bridgepoint, and they're going to be talking about your gift. I mean, there have been millions of people throughout the generations who have heard this story that she never anticipated when she gave her offering to Jesus. And I want to tell you, when you give, there's a ripple effect, and you'll never know the impact of your giving until we stand before Jesus. You'll never know the difference that you'll make until one day we stand before Jesus. And he says, hey, look, this is it. Here, here's the whole picture. Do you see how it came together? In fact, last year on our Above and Beyond Sunday, you guys gave so generously that we have missionaries who live over in Southeast Asia. And they moved over there two years ago, some of my, my best friends. 
and they, they, they moved over here so they could go into these remote villages that are living in poverty. And when they go in, they don't go in with like shoes and food and clothes and all that stuff. What they go in to do is actually to teach the people how to provide all those things for themselves. So they don't go in with money. They go in and they teach people how to start businesses so they can sustain themselves. They don't go in and offer health care, but they go in and train them how to be nurses and midwives so they can offer health care in their own community. They go in with all these different areas, and their goal is within three to five years, they want to move on to another village, and then that village can teach the surrounding villages. But where they're living, they could never get to the place they were going because the only way to get there, you had to have like some kind of four-wheel drive truck. So they're always trying to get rides with other people, but it was so, only so often that they could get there. Well, last year, after Above and Beyond Sunday, because of your generosity, you bought them a car. Because of your generosity, there are people in Southeast Asia that you will never meet who are benefiting from your giving. In fact, I asked them if they would just give us an update, and they had a message that they wanted to share with you guys on this Above and Beyond Sunday. Hey, Bridgepoint. Uh, this is Trey and Maddie and our team. Um, we just want to say thank you for donating the money uh, to help us buy this truck. It's been a huge blessing. We've used it to go uh, up the mountain a number of times, and we're actually on our way back right now. Maddie and I, we were facilitating some lessons with the, the help of our team. And so, yeah, we just want to say thank you so much. Your, your donations matter. We want to encourage you to, um, to give this year in, the, uh, in this current drive. So, yeah, thank you, uh, and we love you and we miss you. That, that's what you guys did. In fact, what you don't know is that when they do these workshops to kind of teach these villages how to do this stuff, that people put their own lives at risk and will travel from 100 miles away just to come and be a part of what they're doing. And they wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for you and your generosity. In fact, my favorite verse in this whole story is the one where it says the fragrance filled the whole house. See, when Mary brought her offering, when she brought her gift, it wasn't just Jesus who was covered with the fragrance. It was Judas too. It wasn't just the disciples who left smelling like her worship. It was Lazarus too. In fact, even Mary herself, I gotta believe that she walked out of there smelling like worship because she gave everything she had to Jesus. And see, as we sit here today, we have an opportunity to fill this room, to fill this city, to fill the world with the fragrance of Jesus. And you know what our jar looks like? Looks like this little red envelope. So hopefully you brought your envelope with you. If you didn't bring it with you today, that's okay. We have some at the seats throughout the auditorium. They're on the tables as well. If you're watching online, you can participate by clicking that Give Now link, and it'll take you over to a place where you can actually give to Above and Beyond right there online. You can also do it on the Church Center app. But see, what I love about these envelopes is it's not just a giving envelope. There's actually a card inside, and there's two questions on there. It says, what's one thing you're thankful for in 2020? It says, what's one thing I'm believing God for in 2021? And even if you're here today and maybe you weren't prepared to give, that's okay. Everybody can be prepared to ask for prayer as we head into 2021. Everybody can be prepared to thank God for what he's done this past year. And so in a moment for all of you who are here in the main auditorium, 
I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask that you bring your jar and you set it at one of the two tables up here at the front. There's also two tables in the back. I wanna make sure everybody's spread out and socially distant as they give. But listen, today, this is an act of worship. So I would never ask you to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. And I'll just tell you, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that today, my wife and I are giving the single biggest one-time gift that we've given in our marriage. And it's because it's a faith gift. It's because even as a pastor, I know that God wants to stretch me. He wants to grow me. He wants to challenge me. Listen, it's never about the amount, but it is about the cost of the sacrifice. And so as we head into this time, I wanna pray for us one more time. Listen, whether you're giving or not, love for you to turn in this envelope so I can be praying for you as you head into 2021. Again, you can give online by clicking the link or going to the Church Center app. But all across this room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, I just thank you. I thank you for all you've done this past year. I thank you that you provided a way for our church to make it through a pandemic. For everyone who's sitting here today to be here today. I thank you for every marriage that was started, every child that was born, every job that was received. And I just pray right now, God, as we think over all our blessings, you would remind us that there's nothing too great to give back to you. And so as we bring our jars, as we pour out our offering, I pray that we would be intentional. Pray we'd be sacrificial, that we would be extravagant, that you would use this gift, God, to leave a legacy that would stretch far beyond anything we could ever ask or imagine. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand and worship with us? And as we worship at any point, you can give your gift. Thanks for listening to the Bridgepoint Church Podcast. I hope we've shared something meaningful for you wherever you're at in your spiritual journey. Just so you know a little bit more about us, we meet on Sunday mornings in downtown Woodstock, but we also meet during the week in what we call life groups, and that's where the really good stuff happens for us. If you're becoming a regular listener of this podcast, we'd like to invite you to make it relational, just like we do during the week. Grab a Bible, invite some friends to join you, and turn this into a conversation. If you're already a regular listener and would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting us online at bpc.life and choosing the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for listening.